welcome to Dynastream's podcast, I said a prayer for you today. My hope is that you will be powerfully encouraged through real life situations, prayers, and encouraging words. Each episode is from the heart, not trying to be perfect, just being real for real needs. Feel free to share these episodes with those that you feel may need some loving strength. All right, let's begin. Hello, my friend. I want to encourage you today from Proverbs 31:16. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. This verse really gave me incredible strength and confidence, encouragement. And the funny thing is I want to encourage you with is first I would see the field. I've been looking for fields. But I I'm seeking the Lord saying, "How? You know, how?" And I just want to share with you um an experience of how I got to that verse. Oh, I know it's easy to go read it and preachers have preached on it. But how I got to that one that God wanted to me encourage me with Before that, I got to Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read that one to you as well. It begins in verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, "The ground of a certain rich man yield plentifully." And he thought within himself saying, "What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops?" So he said, "I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods." And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And those and those whose will, let me see, read this again. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up a treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, you know a field and and what you do with it and remember you are accountable to God for the things that you do this is so amazing because just as i read this to you God is reminding me just two days before or yeah two days before i would sit through someone's teaching and they were sharing about leviticus and how the land they they um they plow and they sow and they harvest the land for 6 years and on the 7th year they give the land rest talking about how god um created the world in 6 days and on the 7th he rested same thing with the land and anything that grew on that land without someone planting it then those around rich or poor anyone could partake and harvest that which grew on the land someone didn't till and sow and and take care of and farm it that it was just it just grew and i just kept considering land and i have been looking up various land and you know part of me says it's impossible and then you know that war within and and the god part so soul is saying that's impossible you can't do that there's no way and those words probably spoken to me over my life you know you can't you don't you won't have enough whatever it is but god's word said nothing is impossible for him and with him nothing shall be impossible 
And so I'm driving along with my mom. We're driving along to go to a greenhouse. We had went to one that's just really good quality. And this, again, is something that God would take me on a journey. As someone said, yes, I've been in business with them 40 years. And it was such a blessing to go to this greenhouse that is just thriving. And it's a family and generations. And they have really done well. And they started with a hobby and a few seeds and turned it into just this amazing quality business that they provide flowers and plants to so many people, so many businesses. And it just started with one woman's love for plants and flowers and probably the need to make an income for her family out of something she loved to do. And it so blessed me as as someone took me on a tour around their whole property. And it was such a blessing. And see the joy in the relationship of these business um, people that have worked together for that many years and how they have just sewn into their relationships. And it was amazing. And so I'm just kind of taking that in and saying, you know, Lord, you know, I know you're speaking through all of this. It's just the blessing and I feel it in my spirit. And then there would be the Leviticus, the land, and the um, the sowing and the harvesting and laboring in the land six years and letting the land rest for the seventh year. And then going into um, seeing this property yesterday. And this is what really led me to the Luke and then to Proverbs 31. You see, years ago, my dad had racehorses. And it was amazing. I love horses, always have, as long as I can remember. And my favorite part was not the racehorse, not the track where they go and they do all that that happens at racetrack. My favorite part was going to where the horses stayed and getting to see them and, and just pat them and love on them and see them and just seeing their strength and their beauty because they were all just so amazingly strong and like majestic. And and when my dad would take summer vacation and he would take me there and allow me to be a part and to brush the horses and, and he knew which ones. He had a few of them and he knew which ones that you could do that with, that I could go in as, as a, a young person. I could actually go in and groom the horse. And then there were some that you just, you couldn't. They're too high strung. Because they were, they were more intense for that competitive racing. And so through the years, you know, I didn't like the track part of it. I didn't like that racing. And, you know, we'd watch and we'd go, but I didn't like it. And there's other situations in there that I just remember just not being comfortable. And there's one horse that I remember that I used to go and visit. I could, I could pat and groom and brush. I could walk behind him and never, he was always so gentle and kind. But the problem was he would always end up on the farm because he needed more time on the farm, whether it be lame or whether it be to work out whatever it was that racehorses had to go to the farm for rehabilitation or to strengthen something or to heal a wound. 
Well, he had to go to the farm often, which I loved because going to the farm where he was, it was much easier to visit and, and to see him and, and stuff than it was at the actual track barns. And at one point, I actually got to ride on the back of the sulky and exercise him. And you had to go reverse around the track because otherwise they think they're in competition and they go faster. And my, when my mom found out that my dad allowed this, she was not real happy. But that, again, wasn't what I thought was very exciting. You know, that, that to me wasn't the greatest thing. Just to be able to love on them and the gentle kindness of this one horse. And through my life, I wouldn't really know to appreciate that till it's probably the last five to ten years. But what I want to encourage you with is there's things in your past and in your life that are speaking into your present and probably into your future. And not being creepy or anything. But this is where it's like my heart, I I didn't know the how, but I knew somehow this was significant and important. Because you see, that horse's name, out of all the horses in all the ownerships, my dad and partners, and seeing all of them, when you see the, the race programs and stuff, all of them that are racing in so many different races, you'd see all these different names. And even someone says, you know, oh, watch Secretariat. It's just an amazing horse race movie. But this horse, I knew he was special. And he's always been special. This horse, his name was Problem Child. If that isn't something that resonates in my heart so often, because of things in my heart that I see, and I see that the gifted one, and remember I've shared this with you, the the sensitive, gifted, empathetic, um, prophetic, you're sensitive to the things around you. And many times the family or business or churches consider you a problem. My friend, you are not a problem. You're part of the solution. You have gifts and talents to bring amazing change. Artists utilize the environment and through God. I love when it's God translated artistic, empathetic, prophetic. Then the world around where it's like all encompassing of the things going on in the world and they're putting it out there and people love it. What they don't realize is they're, some of the artwork they're hanging in their home and it's, it's created out of anger. I've seen something that goes into homes and in one city, it was actually created, someone who was, they considered mentally ill, painted this thing on a building and people just love it and they hang it up in their home and they utilize that little logo thing. But is someone actually mentally ill or is that just a label they've been given because they're not understood? I don't know the full range of all of that, but what I do knew, know are that there are many people who are mislabeled. Many people are mislabeled because they don't understand or they don't want them in the world functioning the way God designed them to function because then some of their deeds are exposed. Because when you are sensitive to the environment and you are speaking and operating in the light of who God is and his love into this environment, It tends to expose things that management, rulership, they don't like it, that it's seen. They don't like feeling exposed. Nobody really does. But God did not come to to condemn the world, but through him that the world would be saved. 
So it's not about condemnation. It's about healing. It's about revelation for healing, redeeming, restoring. And there are things that we get caught up in because they're spiritual bondage. And we live in shame and guilt and all of these things that we walk in in our lives because of things that happened in our past. There's a spiritual bondage. And even then, you know, it's the Garden of Eden. People got kicked out and you have to till the ground. And I think about farmers. I'm like, oh man, Lord, is that just your, you're condemned to, to till the earth. And it's just, you got to live a life of bondage. Now, some people, they love to do this because they see the fruit of their labor. And some love it because of what they can produce and what they can provide and how they can feed people and fill them and nourish them so they can live and be who God designed them to be. And I know that's a matter of perspective. But at the same time, when I would see a problem child, and just the other day, going to another greenhouse, we would pass this property. Both my mom and I looked at it and went, we've been there. That is familiar. And we didn't know the location. We didn't, we didn't plan on this. But en route, God would show us something that would cause a various block. It, it, it is a cause for things in the life. It was a cause for trouble in their relationship. But for me, I remember, I remember going in that problem child. And I remember thinking, you know, I would love to have land in, in an area where people can heal and be restored. That's that place where they were healed and restored. Many of whom, many of whom, of the horses, they would go back into the racing competitive to make money for their people who owned them and many times those who didn't make it maybe they broke a leg they weren't permitted to live anymore because they were designed to race sometimes the racehorses got retired to the pasture they couldn't be ridden they were very high strung and many times if I look back now I'm like they're high strung because they're always in a stall they get walked but they're in the stall Maybe that's part of the strategy so that when they go out there, they are so like needing to just run and run fully. Run the race that was designed for them. They weren't designed for that. They weren't designed just to be competing for people's money, for elite. There's all kinds of those derbies and, and racetracks and so much and when I look at it and even some of the names that the harness racers the harnesses the the race cart is called a sulky think about all the people sulking around and and they're pulling this around and who are they led by the horses the horses are pulling the sul- the sulky and it's in competitive and the sulky that they're dragging behind there is a um a driver, a jockey, whatever they call him, that's getting him to try to perform the best. And they use whips and they, they had trained him, but they use whips to get him to go faster to win that race because they want the prize. They want the money. They want the purse. They want the prestige. They want to be into another whatever it is that they do. And I liken it to those horses that are therapy horses. And sometimes, like, they will reflect things that are going on in situations it's like they can talk, like they can communicate to you something. Sometimes they, when they get the therapy horse, someone on them might be stubborn and that horse refuses to walk. 
And then the person leading says, you know, why do you think that is? And then they can talk about being stubborn, about not wanting to walk that path, about not wanting to whatever it is. Or maybe they're throwing a fit and the person's like, it's scary. I don't know why they're throwing a fit. And that person has been used to throwing a fit. And that's not always. Sometimes the horse has a fly on him. Or there's a bee underneath his hair. Or whatever it is, there's something that's irritating the horse. Maybe the saddle's too tight. So you've got to know what's going on. You've got to know. You know, just like in the child in the store. Okay, are they, are they tired? Are they hungry? The basic necessities. Okay. Do they feel safe? And then you can go from there. But what would happen is we saw this property. It reminded me of problem child. And I remember just in my heart of hearts, like looking upon and seeing what people look as a problem child. I'm like, that child is responding to something. That child is sensitive to something going on. And the parents are like, I don't know what's happening. And they get mad at the child. Or in the family, there's a lot of family dynamics that are causing anger or they're arguing or there's something cheating going on or whatever's going on in the relationship. And that child is manifesting something a cry for help to the family. And it's meant to be intercession. But as a child, they don't know that yet. They haven't been trained up in to pray through. And God reveals to heal, to restore, to redeem. He wants to call them unto himself. He wants to reunite, to restore whatever's causing that division, to restore the unity unto him. Because he works all things together for his glory. And so when he, bring, when he works it together, he brings it together for his glory. The light into the world. And that would be another word, another word that just stuck with me. Light. And it would show up a few different times. Literally gaining my attention of a light blinking down the street. And I'm like, well, it's, it's having trouble staying on or whatever it is. And I'm looking at it and it has my attention. But then I would notice it in a few different places of how God would use the light and then brought it even closer to home. And it's light. Light unto the world. Light in the darkness causes darkness to flee. And so I want to encourage you. God will use all of the things in your life and there will be a thread through this whole thing. And what he's doing in your life, how he wants to bring healing and restoration, and how he will use his word. And so all these times I'm looking at, at land, and then I would come to the scripture of the rich man. He just wants to hoard it all. He wants to hoard it all. Build more silos. Build more barns, whatever it is. All for himself, that he can just take it easy and have all of this. And remember when Joseph did that, because he foresaw Years of famine. There was years of plenty. And then he, he knew that the years of famine were coming. He prepared for it. Not for himself. He called to his family. Come on, bring everybody. He fed them. Not just himself. Not, hey, I have it. You don't. He fed so many people because of his wisdom to prepare for that time coming. And we're all not as wise as Joseph. I wish we were. But I thank God for the wisdom of of that, God equips people to provide for so many, not just for themselves. And so I want to encourage you with Proverbs 31. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. 
And remember I shared with you, someone kept saying, I want to borrow your hands. I want to borrow your hands. And the operatives of, of this area, this person, I just kind of associate it with, mm, they don't want to use my hands for good. There's a reminder of something. But when you look to God, what are you speaking through this? Because he wants to plant a vineyard. He is, what is it? He's the vine, we are the branch. He is the branch, we are the vine. And the bird that went out from Noah's Ark and came back with the olive branch. The vineyard, what is the vineyard? I've been to a vineyard church. The fruit of your hands to plant a vineyard, something that, like the grapes grow in the vineyard. The grapes are crushed and it's wine. What is the wine? The blood of Jesus. I've been having conversations with people about wine. You don't put new wine in old wineskins because it will, they will both be bad. But you put new wine, in new, new wine into a new wineskin. He is the wine. He is the bread. He is the covenant. It is about the blood of Jesus. And as I continue to process this, I wanted to encourage you. It was just on my heart, like, oh my gosh, problem child. You are not a problem, my child. The Lord says, you are not a problem. The Lord says to me, I'm not a problem. I belong to him. You belong to him. You are not a problem, my child. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are restored. And that word chosen... Think about that. He chose you long before you ever said yes to him. So I want to encourage you that. Read Proverbs 31, 16. Read Luke chapter 12. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are, the laborers are few. She considers the field and buys it, the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. And where there's planting, there's sowing, there's nurturing, there's watering. There's harvest. The harvest unto the Lord. He redeems the souls. That they know his love for him is greater than anything this world can do. So my friend, be encouraged. And I hope that I'll work together. Because in my heart, it's so special. There's so many more details that are so special. The heart of the Father for you is love. And in his word, he says, you're mine. Those are the first words I ever heard God say. And it totally surprised me. Somebody was praying, and I shared this with you. We were going through prayer stuff, and she said, the Lord's going to speak to you. I had never heard the Lord speak before. And I felt as if he said it and spoke it out loud, but it's probably in my heart. But it was something I knew clearly it was something from God because it surprised me and I like sat up and opened my eyes like I just heard that he's doing the same for you what is God saying to you and I pray that he will make it clear when you hear him specifically for what you're asking that you hear him in such an amazing way that it surprises you even though you're expecting it you're asking him for it but he still surprises you with it Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open for you. God says it, not me. I mean, I'm saying it, but it's his words, his heart, his spirit for you. 
And maybe I'm the one encouraging you. But it's because he says his word will never return void. It will accomplish that for which it's sent. So for whatever he's sending this for, it will be done. It will be accomplished. Because God says it. He's doing it. He's the one moving throughout the earth. His spirit never returns void. And like that bird that left the ark came back with the olive branch. What does is, what is squished olives produce? Oil. What is oil representative of? The Holy Spirit. And I'm tripping over my words and I'm not quite sure why. But I want you to go to his word. His word never trips. Oh, it may, something may cause to stumble. But sometimes his word becomes a stumbling block. But even now in my life, as I walk through things with an automotive engine, the manufacturers in another country cause a defective engine in the block. I know that God removes these blocks and makes a way where there seems to be no way. It's really cool how the terminology and many things are lining up with what God is doing in my life, what he's doing in your life. And how interconnected we are because we are one in him. He is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He is with you now. He is speaking to you. And I pray that you get surprised in a special moment when you're asking God to speak. You're asking God for something and he shows it to you in a way that you know Oh my gosh, God is such a God of detail, and he loves me so. Because my friend, that is truth. His love for you is immeasurable. As far as the east is to the west, Jesus spread his arms on the cross to show you his love for you. That he took everything in your life upon him to the cross, buried it with him in the grave, and rose again, and is there with you now. So be blessed, my friend. Consider the field. Buy it. The fruit of your hands. Plant a vineyard. And see what God can do. Because we can do everything we can, but without God to do the work of a harvest, nothing will happen. But with God, abundance. Let's partner with Him. Praise Him. Worship Him. Speak to Him. Let Him speak to you and be mightily blessed. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to Dynastream's podcast, I Said a Prayer for You Today. For more encouragements, visit our Facebook page at Dynastream LLC. That's D-Y-N-A-S-T-R-E-A-M-L-L-C. We'd love to hear from you. See you there. Thank you.